Turn with me this morning to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 41. Isaiah chapter 41, and we're going to read from the verse 1, and we'll read through to the verse 14. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Keep silence before me, O islands, and let the people renew their strength. Let them come near. Then let them speak. Let us come near together to judgment. Who raised up the righteous man from the east, called him to his foot, gave the nations before him, and made him rule over kings? He gave them as the dust to the sword, and as driven stubble to his bow. He pursued them and passed safely, even by the way that he had not gone with his feet. Who hath wrought and done it, calling the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, the first, and with the last, I am he. The isles sought and feared. The ends of the earth were afraid, drew near and came. They helped everyone his neighbor, and everyone said to his brother, Be of good courage. So the carpenter encouraged the goldsmith. And he that smoothed with the hammer him that smote the anvil, saying, it, it is ready for the soldering. And he fastened it with nails that it should not be moved. But thou, Israel, art my servant. Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, my friend. Thou whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called thee from the chief men thereof and said unto thee, Thou art my servant. I have chosen thee, and not cast thee away. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Behold, all they that were incensed against thee shall be ashamed and confounded. They shall be as nothing. And they that strive with thee shall perish. Thou shalt seek them and shalt not find them. Even them that contended with thee. They that war against thee shall be as nothing and as a thing of naught. For I the Lord thy God will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. Fear not, thou worm Jacob, and ye men of Israel, I will help thee, saith the Lord, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Amen. Now, my text this morning is taken from Isaiah chapter 41 and the verse 13. For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. And I've entitled this morning's message, 
a word for every day of the year. For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. Now this is a familiar text of Scripture, a familiar word from God. Here we have an exceeding precious promise from the lips of the Almighty. We could really say this is a wonderful and rare message from the lips of the Most High God. The book of Isaiah, remember, has been described as the Bible in miniature, 66 chapters, 66 books in the Bible. Isaiah is divided into two parts, 39 in the first part and 27 in the second part. Two main parts and yet one whole book, the book of Isaiah, just like the Bible, two testaments, but one Bible. The first part, chapters 1 to 39, deals with the life situation that was facing the children of Israel and the prophet Isaiah in the 7th and century. The second part, from chapter 40 to chapter 66, really foresees the children of Israel going into captivity some 200 years later because of sin. So you have to think of the downfall of Jerusalem, the destruction of the country. And beyond that, of course, then there's the restoration into the land and the coming of Christ and the ushering in of what we call the the golden age of new covenant blessing. Now, in this second part, as the prophet sees Jerusalem in ruin, the land in waste, he is inspired by the Holy Spirit to preach a special appeal to the hearts and minds of God's people. In Isaiah 40 verse 1 we read, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. There's a contrast between condemnation and comfort. And as part of that comfort, God says to his people, Fear ye not. And if you look at our Bible reading, you've got the words, fear not here. And, 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 and this is tremendous uh, because um, th- this is what God would want to say to us. Here's one of the reasons why you're not to be afraid. No matter what you face in life, captivity, exile, deprivation, disease, death, despair remember this don't be afraid because I will be with you I will be by your side I will uphold you with my right hand I will hold your right hand so that you won't stumble and I will help and strengthen you and I would say to you in life's journey this morning surely this is a word that all of us need for every day of the year. And though that every day of the year, the rest of this year, and as the years roll in towards eternity, that we would hear God saying to us, For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. Now, this text of Scripture uh, is very precious. And I just want to leave three thoughts with you this morning, very quickly. I want you to think of the divine person that's here. Okay? Look at the text. For I, the Lord thy God. Now we'll pause there. 
Notice the word Lord in the authorized version is in capital letters. You, you can see that. And, and that's a reference to Jehovah. For I, the Lord. For I, Jehovah. Notice the word God. You see, the word God there is the word Elohim. And the names, of course, for God in the Bible are very significant. It wasn't that Isaiah was sitting at home thinking, now, what name should I choose to describe God? No, we believe the Holy Spirit guided him, that the Holy Spirit revealed to him this very special and selective name that's full of meaning. And, and here he is, and he's making this statement, for I, the Lord, thy God. And what does that mean to us? Could I suggest to you it means four things? It means God is creator. You see, the word Elohim is a reference to his mighty power, his mighty strength. Um, Genesis 1 and 1, we read the reference in the beginning, God. It's the same word, Elohim. It has to do with God's creative power. Here's the first way that the Lord has chose to reveal himself unto us. In the beginning, God. God is creator. The creator of the whole universe. Now, that's despite, of course, what the scientists say and what the evolutionists allege. God didn't need a construction kit. God didn't need a set of elements and bring them together to make the world. No, the Bible says that by the word of his power, the worlds were framed. He just spoke them into existence. He said, let there be. It's interesting that in Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7, one of the titles that's given to the Lord Jesus is called the mighty God. And the word God there, of course, is Elohim. It's one of his precious titles. It has to do with his essential deity. And remember, of course, God made the world through his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's called the eternal word. And over there in um, the book of Colossians and in Colossians chapter 1, remember what we read there in the verses um, uh, 16 and 17. For by him are all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. Now, isn't this tremendous? The one who is speaking to us this morning, the one who's telling us what he's going to do for us, and in this text we've got a revelation of that, will hold thy right hand. So, so the one who's speaking to us and the one who's promising to hold our right hand and the one who is, says he will help us, he's the very one that has made us. And he made us for himself and we're marvelously and fearfully made. So it means God is creator. But it also means God is covenant keeper. This word God is also used in relation to the making of a covenant relationship. And that agreement, that promise that God entered into, he sealed every covenant with a blood sacrifice. We could talk this morning about the cutting of the covenant. And you see, when I think of the hand of the one who is saying, I will hold thy right hand, 
That is not only our creator and maker, but that's also the hand of one who was crucified and died in Calvary. The hand from which the blood flowed. Surely we can say this morning there's no hand like the hand of Christ. One who redeems us, one who restores us, one who rescues us. And it's all based on the fact that he's the God of the covenant. But it also means God is controller. Um, This word Elohim, there's another word for God in the Hebrew Bible, and it's El, E-L. And you you think of the God of Bethel. Uh, Bethel uh, means house of God. But Elohim is in the plural. And there's a hint there, I believe, to the great doctrine of the Trinity. Because let's remember that God, before time began, before he made the world, God was in a relationship with himself. And in that relationship with himself, he existed as the self-existent one, as the most high God, as, as the everlasting God, as well as the God of all grace. And God had a relationship with himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Remember, there's three persons in the Godhead, co-equal and co-eternal, but coexisting together. And, 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 and God, this morning, he's our controller. He, he's in absolute charge of the world that he's made. But I believe it also means as God is comforter. Think of these words, comfort ye, comfort ye my people. You see, God comes to reveal his great care for us. The Bible says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Remember, he chose us from all eternity. And in the fullness of time, he called us to repent and believe the gospel. That he might cleanse us with the precious blood of Christ. That he might change and transform us. That that he might comfort and care for us in life's journey. You see, when I think of these words for I the Lord thy God. Underline the word thy. This divine person, what he's saying is that I'm in a personal relationship with you. He was speaking to the children of Israel. But he's also speaking to us Today And isn't this wonderful? Isn't this one of life's greatest blessings? The divine person with his people. He said it to the children of Israel, but he's saying it to us. You see, let's remember God has but one people. The Bible in the New Testament talks about us as Gentiles being fellow citizens in the household of faith. And over there in the book of Romans and in Romans chapter 15 and in the verse uh, 4, it was Paul um, that was writing to the church there and he said this, For whatsoever things are written aforetime are written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Might have hope. Isn't that tremendous? And over there in the um, book of Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it it, it says, um, Now all these things that happened unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition, which means put into our mind upon whom the ends of the world has come. These things are written to put into our mind. You put this into your mind this morning. When it says, for I the Lord thy God, what it really means is God is gifting himself to his people. He's making himself over to us. 
Now, you think of the greatest blessing imaginable in your mind. Everything that you can conceive. God isn't coming and saying, I'll give you the world this morning. He isn't saying, I'll give you a thousand worlds. He's not saying, I'll give you all the money and the power over the world and over every citizen. He's given us something greater, something better. I'll give you myself. The greatest gift of all is God saying, I will be thy God. Now, I could attempt this morning to preach a mini-series on the doctrine of God. Whole books have been written. I've got some in the porta cabin on the doctrine of God. But this is the highest and ultimate good that any man can enjoy. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. God made us for himself so that he could gift himself to us. Do you understand? Can you see that this morning? Is that made plain enough? Can you grasp that? Remember the Lord Jesus in his high priestly prayer? He said, and this is eternal life. Well, what is eternal life? That they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Do do you know him this morning? Have you trusted him as your Lord and Savior? Can he come to you personally? Right now, sitting in that pew, young person, boy, girl, man or woman. And can he say to you, for I, the Lord, thy God. That's how real it is. The gift of himself. Have you tasted of his love? Do you know his grace and his mercy? Do you know anything of his holiness and his truth? His goodness, his justice, his peace. Could you say this morning, it's well with my soul? No matter what happens, captivity, exile, deprivation, despair, even death, because the Lord is the possession of my soul. So I ask again, folks, it's very important that you grasp this. Is the Lord with you in the onward march of life? You know, you could lose everything in life. Your home, your business, your money, your reputation. You could lose family and friends. You could be hurt and broken and smashed. And yet, here's the greatest gift of all. The gift of God himself. For I, the Lord, thy God. That's the divine person in the text. Very quickly, I want you to think of the divine portion in the text. Because this divine person is doing something very wonderful. Notice what the text says. For I, the Lord, thy God will hold thy right hand. Now, isn't that tremendous? And think of what he's saying here. Whose hand is it that's holding our right hand? It's the hand of our Redeemer God. In fact, he says in the verse 14, if you follow on, Fear not, thou worm, Jacob, ye men of Israel. I will help thee, saith the Lord, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Here's the person that you must look for in time of need. You're here this morning and you're in need. What do you need? You need grace. You need guidance. You need to grow in Christ. You you need to be guarded. But what you need to know is the touch of the master's hand. You need to know not only him with you, 
But you need to know his presence in such a conscious way that you can feel his touch, the touch of his hand upon your life. It was interesting that King David said in Psalm 142, he made an amazing statement. He says, I I looked in my right hand and no man cared for my soul. I looked in my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. And yet, here's a refuge. Here's one that does care. And his name is the Redeemer. The hand that touches you is the blood-stained hand of the Lord Jesus. The hand with the nail pierces. Do you know there's a story told about a man called Padro Pio. And... um, he was involved in Roman Catholicism and um, he poured acid on his hands and they were all scarred and wounded. He claimed to have in his hands the wounds of Christ, the, the, the marks of the cross, and he wore a pair of gloves, a pair of mittens, and he took them off and he'd be given to you and you touched them, somehow you were helped and healed. Just by, by, by the touching of it. And there's loads of stories circulating around the hospital among those that are sick. And I'll tell you, when you're sick and ill in hospital and you're very poorly, you're going to try anything. And there's people, of course, have tried this. But you know, this is not a false claim. Here's one who really has nail-pierced hands. One who bears wounds in his body. It's the hand of a crucified redeemer. And his hand holds your right hand. That's what it says. For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand. That means he has to come by your side. That means he has to to touch you. And in fact, the psalmist said in Psalm 16, he is at my right hand. It speaks of a redeemer. And what way? will hold thy right hand. That means he's by our side. That means he's protecting us. The right side, of course, remembers near the heart. I will hold thy right hand, not thy left, but thy right. You think of a soldier in battle, and there's the king, and this soldier's been appointed to be the king's protector. And he was known as the king's protector. And he was always in the right hand of the king. He was there ready to defend you, ready to uphold the right of life for the king. And the Lord comes and says, I'm your strength. I'm your support. I'm your security. I, I, I'm your sucker. And whenever the fiery darts of the enemy comes, and remember, we're all attacked by the enemy. In a right variety of ways, there's one by our side. Not only with us, which is wonderful, but one who is saying he will hold our right hand. Do you hear this morning and you feel small and insignificant? Maybe you're going through the mill. Maybe you have loads of trials and troubles in your life. Do you know That his hand is upon you. That his hand is holding on to you. And those are wounded hands. Life giving hands. 
Remember what we read in the New Testament in John chapter 10. The Lord Jesus said this tremendous statement. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Why can you not pluck them out of the hand? Because Christ is holding you. And listen to this. My father which gave them me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. You think of Christ in one side and God the Father in the other. Isn't he so wonderful that, that he will not let you go? And why will he not let you go? Because of the value of the precious blood that he shed for you. Because you're precious and valuable and special to him this morning. Oh, the wonder of the good shepherd, the sheep relationship. There's a little hymn, Precious Lord, Take My Hand. When does he do this? Well, well he, he takes the initiative in conversion. In our sinful, fallen, depraved state, he reached out to us. He came down to where we were. And, and through the instrumentality of the Spirit and the Word, we were born of the Spirit. But he not only takes our hand in, in, in conversion, but he takes our hand in the roughness of life. Think of life full of corners and bends and potholes. It's not an easy road. We've all struggles. We've all battles. But when you're overwhelmed and can't go on and, and you, you feel, uh, I've got this problem and I've got that problem and I'm never going to be able to cope with it and I can see no way out and no easy solution, just remember, he has taken hold of your hand if you're in Christ because you're valuable and precious to him. Think of a wee boy facing a big operation in the hospital. He was terrified. I have to confess, I'm terrified of hospitals. I can hardly remember my own name when I'm in there. And this is what the wee boy said, a true story. He said to the doctor, I'll be okay if daddy can hold my hand. You see, he, he wanted daddy there. He wanted that touch Daddy holding his hand. It, it speaks of the reassurance of his presence. It, it speaks of comfort because he was by his side. And surely that's worth its weight in gold. Does he not hold her hand in the river of death? We all must pass through the river of death. You'll never get dying grace until you need dying grace. We're afraid of death, aren't we? We're afraid of the unknown. We're so frail creatures, we're, we're, we're naturally prone to fear. But death, remember, was never part of God's original plan. And while we face death with apprehension and foreboding, let's remember this, that his hand is holding us. He's with me. Isn't that what the psalmist said? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. In other words, you're by my side and you're holding on to me. Thy rod and thy staff, they come from me. The rod is the rod of counting in to heaven. It was John Wesley that said the early Methodists died well. It wasn't that they didn't die without pain and suffering and agony. But what he meant was they were in Christ. See, Christ can take you to the other side of eternity. You'll not get there by yourself, but, but Christ can take you to heaven. And think of this, why does he hold her hand? Why does he want to? Well, let me just suggest our stupidity, our sinfulness. You, you think of sheep, and, and we want to wander off, and we, we make mistakes, 
and we go in the wrong direction. And you think of a, a mother or maybe a father trying to cross a busy road, and there's the child coming, and you have these articulated lorries, you, you have little Fergie tractors coming behind, they're keeping everybody back, and you've got some pensioner, and she's tidding along at 25 mile an hour in a 30 mile zone or something like that, and you want to get across the road. And of course the child's pulling, you know, and yet such a tight grip that the mummy has because she knows there's danger to cross that road by herself. She's going to make sure she gets you to the other side safely. And even though we're headstrong, and even though at times we're heading in the wrong direction, it's the Lord that comes because he's redeemed us and he restores us and he rescues us and, and he reassures us. Here's a divine portion this morning. Will hold thy hand. Do you know him by your side? Do you know his touch this morning? This is the way God works. And these are the ways in which he works. And when. And this is why. I want you to think also as we close this morning. I'm conscious of time. There's a divine promise here. Look, look at this text. Go, go back to these words. Saying unto thee, fear not. For I will help thee. Here's the divine promise. The sound of his voice. Isn't it a mercy that God speaks to us? Could, could we contemplate that God speaks to us out of his book this morning? And what does he say? Fear not. Dr. McElveen's here. And I appreciate his friendship in the gospel. And I remember him telling me that it was the late Dr. Paisley that said there was... 366 fear nots in the Bible. I thought there was 365, but 366, that's even one to cover the leap year. So if we take all the Greek and the Hebrew and all the little synonyms, don't be afraid, fear not, um, so on and so forth. We put them all together. There's 366. Isn't that one for every day of the year? Isn't that amazing that he would communicate that truth to us because we're such fearful creatures? That, that, that we can hear his voice. You know, when we face the new day, it's unknown. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for no man knoweth what a day may bring forth sufficient unto the day as the evil thereof. So when we pull back the curtains of our bedroom, we don't know what's going to bring. We don't know what's going to happen. Calamity, cheer, or whatever. You know what he comes? He comes and says to us, don't be afraid. Let, let go of your fears. Trust in me, rely on me. Isn't that wonderful? So young people, whatever you face tomorrow at school or in university or in the workplace or you at home with your family and all the context of interpersonal relationships and the breakdown of those interpersonal relationships. See, the Lord knows your environment and despite the environment, his message is the same. One for every day of the year. Don't be afraid. Fear not. Here's the divine promise saying, fear not. I want you to think not only of the sound of his voice, but the speciality of his value. What does he say in the text? I will help thee. Isn't that tremendous? Are there things this morning you're concerned about? Things you can't change? Things you can't cope with? Maybe it's the misery of some sin, some guilt that's haunting you. Maybe it's the misery of some situation you can't face and you think to yourself, I, I can't cope with this. 
But just remember, here's a promise. For every situation for all time, I will help thee. Could I just share this? When I drove to the hospital on Friday, I prayed from the left of the house till I got to the hospital. I sat 10 minutes in the car and I prayed. Sure, people thought I was nuts as they were walking past. But you know what I was asking the Lord? Lord, help me today to be faithful and witness unto Shirley. And when I got there, 20 minutes, I sat at the bed. She was sleeping. And I just held her hand. She opened her eyes and she knew I was there. She actually said, David. And for 20 minutes, I sat and held her hand in silence. And I prayed, Lord, help me. I didn't know how long Shirley had. But I want to tell you this. God helped because within another half hour, Shirley had sat up in bed. We had a lovely conversation. She drank two glasses of water. We talked about the Lord. We talked about sin. We talked about her soul. We talked about the Savior, her need of salvation. We talked about the assurance of heaven. And she said to me, I'm not assured. I have no assurance. I don't know the Lord. Would you like to be saved, Shirley? I would. Would you like to be saved now? I would, David. And she prayed that little prayer. God, be merciful to me, the sinner. She asked the Lord Jesus. I, I'll not repeat all the words. She, she came out with a number of sentences. And she put her head back in the pillow maybe 30, 40 minutes later. This is what she said. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. You see, I will help thee. And I want to tell you, no matter what the situation is in life, the death of a loved one, news about cancer, some financial calamity, our, our unsaved loved ones and worried about them. Let's go to God and, and let's be humble enough. Let's be honest enough. Lord, I can't do it in my own strength and ask the Lord, help thou me. Isn't that what the psalmist prayed in 119? I can't remember the verse. It could be 80 something. Help thou me. And I encourage you to do that. Here's a divine person. Do you know him? The greatest gift of all. A divine portion will hold thy right hand. Do you know his touch? A divine promise. He speaks to us. The sound of his voice. The speciality of his value. Imagine the most high God wanting to help us sinful creatures. It's wonderful. May the Lord bless you this morning. Thanks for coming. Thanks for listening. May the Lord take these few words, stumbling as they are, and bless them to our heart.